Welcome to the Truth in This Art. I am your host. I did the word flair. I am your host, Rob Lee, and uh, I'm excited to welcome my next guest, a freelance commercial and documentary photographer with over 15 years of experience working with professional athletes. Some of his clients include Baltimore Magazine, Under Armour, and the Baltimore Ravens. Please welcome Sean Hubbard. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for, for for spending some time with me. And I'm glad we're able to to make it happen. I mean, you know, you had a real, you know, situation, a uh, real injury. I had a talent injury. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to. I had I got COVID and then I got my knee injury. So uh, thanks for being patient with me while I got better. <laughs> No, absolutely. I wanted to have you on here. I mean, I one, I, I dig your work and definitely your your work pops up a lot in the searches that I do. So seeing your stuff, I'm just like, let's chat. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate that. So before we get too deep into like the crux of the the story, I want to get the story. I want to get your story. What is the Sean Hubbard story? And um, maybe your first sort of memory of your you know love for photography or your love for capturing images. Tell me about that. Tell us a bit about your story and maybe that first photographic memory. Sure. Well, you know, I grew up as sort of the artsy kid. I got voted like most artistic. But, uh, you know, in high school, it was more of like painting and drawing and kind of the fine arts, stuff like that. Um, I think it was like my junior or senior year in high school. That's kind of when Photoshop was. I can't remember if it was the first version, but basically we were like shooting film, but then scanning it in and then taking it into Photoshop and just doing some like basic adjustments to it um you know i enjoyed it i wouldn't say i had a luck word at that point i didn't really know what i was going to do uh basically between then and college decided i was going to try graphic design as my major um because it was i didn't really know what a career in the art field would look like and i knew i wasn't going to be selling paintings on the street corner or something like that so I thought graphic design seemed like a, a good way to balance being artistic with something a little bit more business minded. Um, my mom was the free spirit artist was like, do whatever you want. And my dad was like, how are you going to make money? And, you know, like you need to have a career. So I sort of landed in the middle of graphic design. And, you know, at the time, I really enjoyed that. Um, basically, uh, I, I went to Penn State University. Uh, how that program works is basically you go, you do um prerequisites and uh leading up to applying for the graphic design uh program your after your second year um so i had been studying to be a graphic designer i had taken some photography classes as sort of electives and uh i applied to the major and i didn't get in and i was absolutely heartbroken because i sort of put all my eggs in one basket um and then you're allowed to apply again. So I met with like the Dean of the arts program was like, try to get advice. And, um, uh, like my parents came like, you know, like, cause of course, like you're, you're my mom for the first time, like someone told her baby that, that she wasn't good enough. Right. So, um, so I, I applied again, didn't get in again. So like, okay, well like now I'm really screwed. So like, what am I also going to do? I'm, I'm two years in college. Um, and where I landed was photography, because honestly, that was like the only other practical thing that I had done and I experienced with that I liked that I thought I could do something with. Again, looking back, I was so naive about the photography industry and what a career as a photographer even meant. I really had no idea. Uh, I don't even know if I researched it, but um, I, I started out uh, doing photography as a continued major and Again, you know, like in college, you know, I was I was more of a jock in college. I was playing sports and I was living in the rugby house and, and I was not living in a community that was like nurturing for anything artistic. 
Um, but you know, so as I was going through classes, I, I, I kept getting feedback from teachers like, um, you're not doing up to your potential. Like you're not really trying your hardest. And, and that was like the case. Like I was getting good grades and, and, but I was just kind of doing the bare minimum to like fulfill my assignments. Um, and luckily, you know, things worked out in the end. Um, but it wasn't really till after I got out of college and I'm, um, I actually started working for a photography company that did, um, like studio portraits, youth sports, uh, school photos. I mean, that's how I, my first, you know, how I learned to light things was like yearbook photos. I mean, if you can believe that, um, but, but meeting a few people in the photography industry and then kind of just like going on walks and, and just doing stuff for creators sake, that's where I really remember kind of falling in love with photography, like photographing people. Like when I was in college, I was, you know, just doing like still lifes and, and things like that. Um, but once I got out and I started photographing people, that's kind of really where I found something special with it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, being able to, <laughs> you, you run into like, oh, man, this is not, not going to work for you. This is not the lane for you. Like, all right, what's the other thing? What's the other thing I can do? And um, I think we we all have sort of that that shift when you're you start off with something creatively inclined and it may not be you know someone may not see sort of that talent or you get a no and it's like all right what's the pivot what's that going to look like um i've i've said it before in here that you know early on i wanted to be a comic book artist and it didn't work out it was just like <laughs> no thanks and i was like oh all right so what am i going to do now and kind of you know traveled around a little bit and I, I liked hearing that, you know, kind of, I think sort of hitting that sweet spot for you was, you know, photographing people, like being around like folks or what have you. Um, and I think I've been podcasting for a while, right? Years at this point. And the ones that I like, you know, and doing that, like I can do it by myself. I used to do a podcast and, and I'm going to get, you know, give you the, the name of it because it's so ridiculous. It was called Rob Observations. <laughs> and it was just basically, you know, I don't know if you're you watch Family Guy or what have you, but it's that sketch when he was like, you know what grinds my gears? It was literally that. So it's just me ranting for, you know, about whatever. And, you know, I found that when I started doing the pod, you know, regularly with, you know, with a friend here and there, and that felt a certain way. But when I started doing it, doing this podcast, and talking to people and helping them share their story, it's a whole different thing. It's, you know, skills that I didn't know I have that I was able to kind of like cultivate and, you know, hearing from folks, oh, that was a good conversation. That was a good interview. I, I don't know what's good or what's not good. So, but, but, you know, I have a sense of like, this is what the aim is. This is what the sort of goal is with what I'm doing creatively. So, you know, I'll, I'll lobby it over to you from, from your vantage point what is what's something that makes like you know photography good like what what let me say that differently when did you you know feel like you got good at photography tell me about that <laughs> oh uh hopefully tomorrow um you know, I don't know. <laughs> i'm a pretty i'm a pretty rough critic of myself but you know like that's like the age-old question like uh what makes photography good what makes art good and i think sort of like the blessing and the curse is like it's just like this un definable thing right and and different people uh take away different things from visual mediums that they see and so it's, it's hard to really quantify something being good um I, you know honestly i i won't say when i th when i thought i was good because that's just it's weird uh but i think 
I think something that photographers try to achieve in their career is developing yeah. a style, okay. uh, which I think is more important sometimes than being good, right? Because sort of photography is very competitive in the fact that so many people have access to the tools to create good photography. Whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there really wasn't this, you know, access to professional equipment to the everyday consumer because it was too expensive. So now that the market is flooded with people able to take great quality pictures, um, good doesn't really have a meaning anymore. Like it's it's not challenging for most people to take a good image. It's it's kind of you have to be able to create imagery that stands out. Like that's the number one most important thing is like you have to be able to stand out. And developing a style, I think, is the first step to that because you're creating something that's recognizable that when people are looking through imagery, they can say, oh, I know who took that photo. Um, I can see that representing my brand. So, you know, I, I think it was probably, you know, I don't know, five years ago, four or five years ago, where I felt like I was getting feedback from people that like they could recognize my work and stylistically it was, it was cohesive. You know, but again, like I, I'm, I'm revamping my website now, and I'm looking at my work now, and I see stuff that's just like, it's all over the place. So it's like, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing process. Um, I'm still, you know, as far as evaluating my work, I, I feel like I'm not where I want to be. Um, I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I'm, I've always kind of had that drive in me of, of sort of never settling and always wanting to try to improve and learn and grow and get better. I think that's important for any artist. Like once you think you've gotten good. Or once you think you've reached the pinnacle, like you're, it's over for you, you know? So, um, I'm not getting any younger, so I have to constantly, you know, sort of like reevaluate, reinvent to keep up with, you know, different creative trends and, and, um, just try to stay relevant. Thank you. That's a, that's a, that's a great answer to that. I definitely put you on the spot there. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. <laughs> no, but, but I, I agree. Like, you know, when I'm doing this, the the fear I suppose that I I have at times is I don't want to feel like uh, it's disposable. You know, like oh, eh, I'm not interested anymore. Those sort of thoughts, those are the sort of considerations. So it's like, how do I keep it interesting? And, and you know, how do I try to keep making sort of this is my style, this is my approach, this is how I'm going about this as a brand, as a type of storytelling or what have you. And you know it's it's at the end of the day it's like i'm trying to impress myself with what i can do and how i can go about it so like you know i've said it before put out 300 podcasts last year 300 episodes and that was a lot of stuff that's nuts <laughs> it's, 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 it's oh, insane man, it's, it's insane and um so doing doing less this year but wanting to do something else in addition to it whether it be community oriented events and things of that nature to kind of broaden what this is and kind of stretch what the boundaries of it is and always kind of um, tinkering i think that's the way i kind of look at it yeah man i mean that's like again as i'm uh looking back through my archive and trying to put my best foot forward with with a new website is like tinkering man that's a great word is like i'm i'm like revisiting old images and and kind of starting fresh you know i look at images that i that i did post-production on like even six seven years ago and i'm just like god what was i thinking that looks terrible and then i go back to the original image and i sort of like make it where i am now so i think that's important because especially with visual medium like you know i think the goal of any most visual artists is to ha have something that's timeless um mm. it's especially relevant for brands because with like fashion and and technology, things get outdated so quickly. Um, you know, I was looking at images images that I'm considering for my site, like of like shoes that I took 
uh, like an athlete was wearing a specific type of shoes. And I'm looking, I was like, I love the imagery, but the shoe looks like it was created in 2012, which is like, you know, it's like, it looks like 2012. It doesn't matter how cool the imagery looks. So um, I think, you know, trying to breathing, breathing life and just meddling, like just trying new techniques, like as an artist, I think, you know, people don't think about it as much with photography. Obviously, some photography that I do, the documentary work, it's 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 shot, it's edited, and it's done forever, right? Yeah. Whereas like, some of the more creative imagery that I do, I'm able to go back and revisit it and see if I can, you know, change the color, contrast, whatever, to to make it look um, sort of a, a different way. It's, it's sort of this thing where you're balancing maybe sort of part of the overall product is from a certain era, but you're like, all right, I want to make this something that's transferable, like, and, and that's something that's going to live on. So, and, and looking at sort of some of the conversations there, you know, are instances where I'll interview, you know, someone more than once. And it's like, yeah, remember when we did that interview three years ago? Yeah, I was wrong then. And <laughs> you know, you're hearing from people, it's like, oh, wow. And I was like, you really did listen to the episode you were on or yeah, man, I was really talking about my 2019 stuff now in 2023. I'm a completely different person. Yeah. Some people are going to listen to these interviews back to back and notice the difference. Yeah, I mean, I, I, but that's like, that's growth, right? I think like, whether you're a podcaster, whether you're an artist, like, it's just like a human thing. I was like, I think growth is like so important and so essential. Um, you know, whatever you're doing, I think it's it's a natural part of doing it. And I think growth just is is so important to whatever you're doing to to have it have longevity and to keep it relevant. So um, I, I would if, if if I listened to you know like a podcast I did you know four or five years ago, I would I would hope you know. I would sound different. I hope I have a different outlook on things. Uh, so yeah, that's only going to help me, you know, grow and progress as an artist. I want to try to, in those instances where I get invited on to be a guest, I'm going to try to just see if I can say the same story, like every time. <laughs> I want to see if it works that way. I, I, I'll never find out because uh, <laughs> the, the sound of listening to my recorded voice, I tried it like one time and I was like, this was the most uncomfortable experience ever. So I've never gone back to listen to any of the recordings that I've done for that reason. So it's great for me because I don't really have to worry if I repeat myself. Uh, the only people will know the people that listen and they probably won't say anything about it. So that's fine. That's me visually. It's like, oh, Rob, let's do a photo shoot. Nah, nah, <laughs> skin's a little dry. <laughs> so every imperfection that I have, like, eh, you could, you know what? You could do a little touch up on that one. That's, you know, a little bit more work there. Um, so let's talk about um, some of your your early like photographic like influences, like, you know, and what are some of your influences now, whether it be, you know, stuff that plays a role in it. Like, for instance, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so that doesn't it's very few. And the types of podcasts that I listen to are not like interview based. It's like history based or what have you. But I listen to a lot of audiobooks. And I listen to audiobooks that are from some, some of them are like based on text from like 50, 60 years ago, because I want to tap into something there. So that definitely has an influence in how I approach maybe questions or the type of questions I'm asking and so on. So for you, what are some of those influences that, you know, were there for you early on and some of the influences that are there like, like now? Yeah. I mean, when I started out, um, you know, photography, stylistically was a lot different than it is now. Um, but like some of the guys that I remember kind of la like when I was out of school and kind of just figuring out like what commercial photography was, um, like Joe yell, 
Tim Tatter, Gary Land uh, in the commercial world. And then um, obviously do like live sports, Al Bello, who is a really established Getty photographer. Um, uh, those are some of the photographers that stuck out to me that I sort of latched on to. And actually uh, Tim Tatter became a friend and a mentor of mine who I still work with, you know, on a regular basis. Um, and that relationship has been really essential for my growth and sort of opportunities that have come my way. Um, and, and now I would say, I say I, I'm sort of at the point in my career where I try not to be too inspired by any one person, because like I said earlier, I think the biggest goal and challenge that, you know, you could have or should have as an artist is to is sort of create your own voice and and not you can spend a lot of time and I've fallen into traps like this over the years of kind of finding something that really inspires you and then going out and trying to do something similar and really you're just kind of creating the same thing over and over again and if you look at the artists in this space that are really successful they're the trendsetters they're they're the people where you see something you're like i've never seen that before and that's what sets you apart right it's creating stuff that you're setting the trend you're not following a trend so i try to you know you got to toe that line where you try to gain inspiration from certain things but um really um have it be able to be um applied in a new way um but you know guys like uh, Carlos Sorrell, um, and sort of the, uh, the way he likes things and how he shows movement. Um, Jay Kolsch is a, uh, photographer who I just kind of came across last year. He does a lot of adventure, um, stuff with Filson. Um, I just love how he sees the world and, and how he tones his images. Um, and then like portraiture, like, uh, Joe Pugliesi, uh, a photographer out on the West Coast, who's just uh, just a masterful portrait artist, and um, uh, guys like that. Uh, you know, I I mean, I, I'm I'm an absorber of visual media every day, so I think a lot of it comes more from like little things here and there. I started following more uh, directors and DPs, um, uh, and I've. I just how, how the color in their images and the toning in their images has definitely definitely had more of an influence on me in the last, you know, two years or so. Um, <laughs> I don't watch a lot of film. You know, I just I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of movies. So I try to get exposure to that on social media. So it's, it's about picking up little things here and there and then um, seeing how uh, I think a lot of what I try to do is like if I get inspiration from you know, the commercial world advertising, I try to cross that over to like live sports. And then, you know, similarly, like if I pick up on something in my documentary, my live sports work, like how can I inject that? So kind of like that cross platform, I think is a way um, to kind of create a different and unique style. Yeah. I like that. What, what would you say, like, you know, to the three qualities that you're aspiring for in your work or in those instances that you you may see in like the social media what have you that social media sounds so old right there but <laughs> social media that you're like that's a really good image what have you and I, and i know good is the thing we talked about a little bit earlier but that's something that really like catches your eye and strikes strikes you because using social media for example we're we're in a constant battle for our attention so when something really catches your eye it, it's like what is those what are those qualities yeah i think the overarching thing that that I've kind of used to describe this intangible thing that we're all looking for is is I think uh, you know and it's I, I kind of say what makes an image impactful is is it's something an image that 
for whatever reason tells that can tell the whole story and that can make you feel something immediately. Mm. Um, you know, like it, you've probably heard like, you know, a scroll stopper, like what can make you stop scrolling? Like, like you've got such little time. I mean, I, 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 I stop and think when I'm scrolling through social media, sometimes like how quickly I'm doing this as an artist, like the scrolling through and it's just, so that's like how quick you have fractions of a second to get somebody's attention. So I think an image that can tell a compelling story in one frame and that can make you feel something instantly, I think is the key to, you know, standing out and being unique. You know, when I'm, when I'm crafting an image or if I'm working on an image, you know, after the fact in post-production, you know, basically what I'm trying to do, whether it be with composition, with, with light, um, with, you know, backgrounds is, is, cutting away all the distractions between the viewer and what I want them to feel. So the less distractions that you have, the quicker the experience is for who's viewing your images. And and that's really what you're striving for. Like, especially on, you know, social media or on a website, if I had like a creative director, art director that's looking at my work, e even if it's in an in-person interview, like you have, a, you have very little time to make that impression. Mm -hmm. So the quicker you can do that. So anything that's not, contributing to the image like you need to get it out you need to crop it out move do something so that 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 emotional read is happening as quick as possible so i think really that is the most important thing what i'm looking for when either i'm making images or what kind of stops me in my track when i'm looking at an image and now like what that is is sort of the intangible thing right like I, it's not always so, sometimes it's the light sometimes it's the emotion of the subject you know, normally it's something that I haven't seen before, you know, it's, it's a feeling. So that's, that's that, you know, constantly moving target and, and it can be any of those things. So I think knowing that, you know, in, in your tool bag as an artist, that you can use different things to create a mood or create a feeling. It doesn't have to just be like someone crying. It can be, you know, how beautiful the light is, you know, so it's, you have a, a lot of things that you can, that you can use. Yeah, th thank you. That's that makes that makes a lot of sense. It, it makes me think of, you know, what people talk about on, let's say, even the the dating platforms or what have you of you're swiping this or what have you. There's something that makes you stop because usually it's the image or I even think of, you know, you touched on social media. I even think of like, you know, Instagram was you know, mostly for, for photos and then it turned into to video or what have you. So it's even that much more of a sort of like your 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 image has to be something that has those intangibles that's going to pull someone in and i'll say it i'll say it this way i'm not looking for videos on air like the things that you know i'm seeing and i'm capturing it's like wow that's a really cool image that's what i'm doing uh you know it might be sometimes it might be some word or some words or something that's on there that's going to catch my attention because it's informational but sometimes it's just a really striking fire image and it's something that makes me me feel something in that moment that it's like oh i'm going to save this not even you know oh i'm going to share this that's you know what it is for me yeah i mean i think you hit you know you hit the nail on the head is like what makes you feel something like that is like that's the advertising industry in a nutshell that's the that's the photojournalistic you know industry in a nutshell is like you're trying to make people feel something um and that's got to be the number one goal i think that you have if you know you want to make an impact uh that's what brands are looking for like you know emotion sells like people like people that are advertising our product 
Like they want you to love it. They want you to care about it. They want, they want, you know, to play on, on your feelings. So, um, and the same thing as like a photojournalist would do. It's like, if you're covering a story, like you're trying to have the viewer feel like they're there and feel the emotions that are going on there. So it's, it's really the same in, you know, um, all, all the photographic industries as far as I'm concerned. So I got a few more questions and I want to shift into the the gear question. Um so so give us a bit of the rundown of like so you know what do you use and uh you know for as far as like capturing the images post production all that good stuff whatever you want to share in that vein. And then I have a second one which I put in here which I think is really funny but I'm going to at least start off by offering that up for you. All right, yeah, I mean I don't want to get too nerdy about it cuz I think <laughs> I don't know the gear talk sometimes gets a little bit overrated but i i uh as far as like my camera gear i use canon gear i've used i've used other gear i use sony i have like my, my personal cameras like a fuji um but i use canon cameras uh i typically use i mean i have a lot of lenses because i sh i photograph a lot of different things most of the time i like to use prime lenses uh which are you know fixed focal length like 35 50 85 because i just feel like it's it's uh I like to move around with my feet to create the composition versus like zooming in and out. Obviously some of the live sports work that I do, I'm kind of forced to use zoom lenses just because of the nature of what I'm doing. And sometimes it's, it's more important not to miss a shot than it is um, to have like the perfect cropping right out of the camera. And obviously sometimes I can't get close, you know, I can't move around as much as I would like to. Um, and then uh, post-production, I use two programs. Uh, I use Adobe Lightroom a lot for my live documentary. Uh, kind of like my high volume, like work live sports where I'm taking thousands of images because it's just very quick for me to process. Um, and then for most of my commercial and portrait work, I'm using Capture One Pro um, just because I feel like it has a greater dynamic range. It handles color better. Um, and then between the documentary work that I do, uh, obviously, like there's not a lot of uh, post production on that. It's color, contrast. Uh, obviously, it's, I do a lot of black and white. Um, and then, you know, some of the commercial imagery that I do is a lot more intense as far as refining and toning the images, just even from a color and contrast point. And then Photoshop anytime I need to go in and actually like change pixels, swap something out, move things around, composite stuff like that. Thank you. So this, this is the, the more goofier part of it, the follow-up question to it. Um, so we all, <clears throat> I think we all have those those different items where you're like, man, this is the new hotness. I can't wait. This is going to be great. And you're like, no, it is not. It did not work out. I'm looking in my studio at pieces of gear that I've purchased for <laughs> this production. <laughs> that's like, nah, that, I don't use that at all now. Is is there a piece of gear that comes to mind? You don't have to name, you know, the manufacturer or anything. But you know, do you run into those instances? Or are you pretty like solid in knowing that? Okay, I'm going to use this for this purpose. I don't need to try anything extra, like like crazy or what have you. Is there a piece of equipment that you're like, I didn't really use it. It wasn't great. Every camera that I've ever bought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every single one every single one because like i said i'm a perfectionist i'm a gear nerd i'm a quality nerd and um you know like cameras come out every three to five years and and, and you spend like this like if you're into gear you're you're like checking like the rumor sites and you're seeing what's going to come out because you always want to do a better job and like what's the next feature so you, you get like probably two or three years of these rumors and things that that you know could be in the camera and so you get the camera you're super jazzed and just spent all this money 
and you're like, okay, like, yeah, it definitely does this, but then it's like, oh, you know, it's maybe it's not as good. They kind of overhyped this part. And honestly, that's happened with every single camera I've ever bought. Um, and not to say that they're all garbage, but like I, there's there's always been this like, oh man, they almost had her. It's like they could have just done this. And that's probably just me being a whiner, but um uh that if if I had to say anything, it would it would be that. I, I agree. I, I'm looking at I got like a, a stream deck here. I'm looking at this zoom mixer. And I remember like I'm definitely like audio gear nerd and I'm definitely checking the rumor sites, definitely doing a comparison, all of that different stuff. And I'm like, I'm using this for like maybe 20% of its capacity. I don't know if the other things do what I need. It's like, it's like my background as a data analyst, right? Like, sure, I can, you know, do my job and use the tools that I need to do my job, but I'm not diving that deep to say, let me learn everything about this application. I don't need to know everything about this application. And that's the way I kind of approach the gear that I'm getting, but I'm looking for something that's quality, something that I'm going to get some years out of. So like, the mixer that I had to record this, it still works, still works really well, but also the mixer is eight years old. And I was like, yeah, I need to swap that. I need to upgrade that. And I have this smaller mixer that does a great job, but then also I have these other smaller mixers that I use for travel when I'm doing interviews at conventions or interviews um, on the road or what have you. And I'm like, ah, you know, this is fine. This is cool. They have their different benefits and their different quirks and all of that different stuff. But you know, it's never always what it's cracked up to be, and I'm never using it till its fullest capacity. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, like there's a you know, like with cameras or even computers and, and programs, like they sort of tout like one, two, or three like main features, and then a lot of this like ancillary stuff. And yeah, typically like you're getting the most use out of like two or three main features that I really need and use for most of the work that I do, and then the other stuff I kind of just forget that it's there. <laughs> um, like the 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 uh, Canon camera that I have now has has eye tracking where basically like you look through the viewfinder and wherever you look you can set it up that it'll set the focus point where you're looking which is a pretty you know novel technology yeah. and it's like one of those things like they hype up and then you get the camera and like you set it up and you just like oh this is cool and then i just like never use it because it's that's honestly it's impractical for most of the stuff that i do because it's just not accurate enough and then yeah. the few times where it's like oh i could actually use it i just forget that it's there so it was a major feature and it's just like, okay, like it's not really, I, you know, I need, I care more about other stuff. So I, I'm at the point in my career now where like, I'm not as gear hungry as I used to be. Like, I, like I'm at the point where I, I want to stop buying gear, um, you know, and, and put that money elsewhere. Uh, and I have, cause I have most of what I need. So at this point, it's really just like splitting hairs. Most of the differences in, in equipment that I would buy now, my clients would never know. And that's probably been that way uh, for the last three or four years. I mean, I think the shift, the biggest shift we've had recently was the shift from DSLRs to mirrorless. And I still think mirrorless has a little bit of way to go, but I don't think, you know, my clients don't necessarily realize, like I could tell them what's different, but I don't think that they know what camera I'm shooting with at any given point or what technology it has. Because, you know, as you were touching on earlier, kind of like, you know, everyone's gotten good at it. You know, have you, the technology is so good and all of that different stuff. And it takes the, the sort of uh, talent or the eye or that approach that's behind it um, to really denote what one's brand is, what one's style is as a um, photographer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are definitely certain features that like, you know, you know, cameras now take, you know, 30 frames a second and the autofocus is really good. And, and 
you know, maybe five years ago, the same client that I was working with, like they were happy with the images that are getting, they don't realize that now, like I had to like pick like the worst image of a series because that was the only one to focus where now that's not, you know, that's not the barrier when I'm selecting images. For the most part, they're all in focus now, right? So now I'm picking more for the things I should be picking for is like, you know, what image looks the best, which is the most athletic position of this person that I'm photographing. So it takes some of the things that you don't want to have affect your images out of the, out of, you know, out of play. And you can focus on just the creative aspects that you want to focus on. Thank you. Uh, so here's like the last two questions. They're, they're going to be combined or have you. Um, so, so earlier you touched on your athletic background and so talk about, you know, how, if at all, that kind of serves in your photography work or have you working with clients like Under Armour, Washington Wizards, Baltimore Ravens, like talk, talk about that, like having that athletic background, does that give you sort of a, a different perspective? Does that inform like how you kind of go about, like, I'm going to capture this image. Oh, I know he's going to juke in this direction. So let me make sure my, you know, eye is there. Yeah. So, um, I think it matters the most um, in loving and being passionate about what you're photographing, which I think is probably the most important thing, um, you know, that will affect how good your imagery is or, you know, how creative you want to be. I think, uh, and that's different than having an understanding of what you're photographing. Like, I think it's really important. It's what I try to tell young photographers is like, you know, especially earlier on in their career where they haven't really latched onto one thing yet is like, Go photograph what you love. What are you passionate about? Go do that because this is a tough industry. Um, the photography industry is tough to be successful in and to stand out and to have a long, sustainable career to support a family. And you're going to go through tough times. And if you're not if you're not photographing and and working on something that you're really passionate about, you're not going to get through the tough times because money can't be your motivator, right? So I think from that perspective being passionate about something is really important to the success of your work. I think having an eye for athleticism, I think that's important. I don't think you always have to be an athlete to have an eye for that. I think it's helped me. Uh, one of the things that I do think has been important is, is when I'm working with athletes, uh, having an understanding of physically, you know, what's, what they're capable of and not capable of. If I'm giving them direction, like I know, okay, well you have to adjust this to accomplish that. So I think just a, a general understanding of how the body moves in certain actions. I mean, I haven't played every sport, um, but I think that it does help if I have to say, okay, like, you know, normally if I'm working with an athlete, I try to just let them do what they do, right? That's the, you know, if you're working with a world-class athlete, why am I going to tell them what to do? Well, sometimes like, you know, for a photograph and it's still frame, like we need to be, we need to see this logo. We need to see this side of the ball. I'm like, we need to showcase this part of the clothing. So you have to make tweaks. And I think being able to jump in there, and show them a different way to do it. Uh, having a little bit of experience of how, uh, uh, you know, the body moves in certain activities, I think has been helpful for sure. Um, but overall, I think just, you know, having an understanding of, of the sport that you're photographing, but just really having a passion for it has always helped me. Like, especially a lot of my work has been defined by not necessarily the action, but the moments that lead up to that, you know, the behind the scenes moments, the you know, the training for it, the difficult moments, the pain, the failure. Um, those are really the moments that have intrigued me. And because I'm a super competitive person, I feel those emotions and a lot of the stuff that I do. And that I think that's what helped me gravitate to more towards that type of imagery. And that's kind of where my career started to take off because those are the images that were getting more attention than like my action stuff. It was 
you know, the athlete and contemplation on the sideline with the sweat dripping down and yeah. uh, always being intrigued by the, the the mind of the athlete and what goes into it and the sacrifice um, and the difficulty that goes into it, I think has led me in in that direction. Definitely capturing the emotion around the game. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, and that's like, again, like creating a style like that's that's been definitely uh, the biggest part of my work, I think, that that people have commented on. Um, and it's, I don't really know exactly. I think it, maybe it had something to do with I was an athlete, but like that's always where I've, I've gravita- gravitated to, really in all my work, uh, whether it's sports or not sports. Is, um, but, you know, I think that's such an important part of, again, you know, if I'm if I'm photographing live sports or athletes, like you have wire services like news outlets, Getty, AP, thousands of photographers around the country just generating all this imagery of like not, you know, in some degree, like the same stuff. Right. It's it becomes very, you know, bland as far as what you see, like you're seeing what the, the news cameras see. So yeah. like anytime I think you're able to to peel back some layers and show a different perspective and, a, and the more humanistic side of an athlete or, or sports you know, I think that uh, gets people's attention. You know, my my goal being more heavy into the sports photography world has always been to create images of athletes and sports that that people who are not fans of sports find interesting um, because it, it's not necessarily a challenge to take a picture of someone's favorite athlete and create an image that they like, right? Most people, like a- anytime, like their favorite athletes in a picture, it's like the best picture ever because it's their favorite athlete or it's like, you know, a successful team. I think I've always tried to create images that someone who has no idea who this athlete is or what maybe what the sport is, whatever, that that they were like, oh, wow, that's really cool. You know, like that's always been my goal. Yeah. Um, thank you. I'm waiting for the um, those just the really intense emotional moments of like cricket. I'm just waiting for that to come from you. That's going to be amazing. Hey, I mean, hire me, you know, whoever is, whoever needs some impactful cricket imagery. Um, yeah, I mean, like, that's, uh, I would love to do that. I, I always love a challenge. Like, I, I I think I'm more intrigued by photographing sports that I've never photographed before with a fresh eye than I than I am, you know, sports that I have a lot of experience doing. Yeah, we can, you know, see your work showcased on ESPN The Ocho. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got a few questions on the rapid fire tip I want to hit you with. And um so yeah, that's that's here we go. Um right. don't overthink. Don't right. overthink them. You know, because you said competitive, it has got me like, all right, now now I'm just gonna have to just it's it's like that thing where it's like, I'm gonna get the last word. And no, I'm gonna get the last word. <laughs> so um, what's your favorite number? Seven. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. That's a number of a chaos, by the way. Okay. I've, I've learned it somewhere. I don't know. Uh, Monster's like 24. Uh, you know. Uh, let's see. Favorite childhood TV show? You said you don't watch a lot of like uh, movies or anything uh, these days. So do you have a childhood TV show that you really dug? Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. See, you you get it. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I was, I was, it was between that and G.I. Joe. Uh, but I think, I think I got to go with the turtles on that one. See, if you would have said G.I. Joe would have asked you to sing the theme song and we would have parted as enemies. Uh, <laughs> My screen would have went black, you know. <laughs> oh, I can't hear you. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> See, I, you're wearing um, purple. So Donatello, Leonardo, what's your, what's, Donatello what was your... Donatello was my guy, yeah. I was like, 
he was like the nerdy guy. Uh, my brother was Neil Leonardo. He got to have the cool sword, and I, you know, I don't know. Like I, I, I identified with Donatello's sensitivity. You know, like his ingenuity. You know, yeah. I wasn't. My brother was way smarter than me. I wasn't. I wasn't the smart kid. But I don't know. Yeah, Donatello was my guy. It's funny. Um, that's, that's not why I wore purple today. I was, <laughs> my, 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 up on that though. My, Maybe my subconsciously, brother, that's what it was. <laughs> my my brother, because it's always when you when you have the boys or what have you, it's always like, yo, who's your turtle? And my brother's was Michelangelo. But now this is where it's weird. He was like, yo, you got two. I was like, really? He was like, it depends on which part of the the week we're in. If it's like you, it's, it's crunch time. It's like you're definitely Raphael. I was like, and which might explain his red. Uh, <laughs> But he was like, you're also got some Leonardo there. Because he was like, you, you tell people what to do. You know what the direction of things are. It's like, all right. He said, like, yeah, fair amount of discipline as well. I was like, all right, I'll take it. Uh, what is your favorite color combination, like, to wear? Oh, man, I, I've, I've shifted. Way, uh, I, I wear so much black now. Um, yeah, I think the last I – used, I used to be, like, earthy guy, browns, greens. I kind of – you know, like, I grew up, like uh, – I'm a big fan of jam bands, so like very earthy. Like I won't say the word hippie, but um, like now, like my wardrobe is like olive green and, and gunmetal and black, and that's you know aside from a few other pops there. But you know, a lot of it has to do with just like when you show you, you show up on like film sets and and like everyone's wearing black, and it's just like you kind of like you don't want to be flashy. Like I mean, I guess some directors or photographers do, but um, I kind of always want to just be like a fly on the wall, especially like in documentary world. Like I'm wearing like all black. I just want to blend in. And that's kind of, and it's also like, I used to be like really obsessive with what I wear. And and now like, I've kind of like taken a more like Mark Zuckerberg approach sometimes. It's just like, I have like six of the same black V-neck. Yeah. Um, I have like 20 black hats. I have, you know, like, so it's like, uh, it just simplifies my life. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have to worry about that stuff because sometimes I can get like caught up in like, you know, that, kind of, that sort of thing. So I try to do that. Uh, I had this goal of... You know, as I go out and do more things in the community, you go to, you know, openings and galleries and things of that nature. I was like, man, I just want to have the same black fit, man. Just slide, slide into the background. And then I get this reminder of you're built like an offensive tackle with no pads because I'm 6'4 and like <laughs> over 300 pounds. So it's just like, blend oh, anyway, right? So. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You see that big thing over there with the black on? Yeah, that's Rob. Uh, he's going to be <laughs> here for this interview. Uh what place do you want to travel to the most that you haven't been to? Ooh, um, the most. That's a good question. That is a good question. Um, probably Australia, maybe. Okay. Yeah, Australia. I, I haven't done a lot in Europe, but I would say if I had to pick one, I would say maybe Australia. Okay. And this is the last one I got for you. Uh, so... In this scenario, you have to change your first name. What would you change it to? Wow. That is so off the wall. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man. Um and I'll give you I'll give you this extra layer of context to give you a little moment to think here. Yeah. Um, okay. For like two years in high school, I didn't ask for it, but I had two different names. Like that weren't my name. It was just people. It was like, you know what? You look like a Sebastian. So your name is Sebastian. And I was like, the hell? And it was another person who was like, you look like a Michael. So you're Michael. So whenever we would see each other in the hall, hey, Michael. And I was like, that's not my name. It's like, you're going to have to start answering to it. And I was like, all right, all right. just grumble. You know, I, though the best way I can answer that is I remember when I was younger, 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, I had a friend named Shane, which is obviously very close to Sean. And for whatever reason, I always thought that Shane had like more of an edge to it. You know, it was like a little bit less common. So, um, like think about it now. I'm cool with Sean, but you know, like I'll, I'll say Shane just because like that was like my my childhood wish that I could be Shane instead of Sean. I like it, you know. But Sean gets the W's, and with that, see, well, uh, I thought I was real. Yeah. I, I was really good with that one, actually. Uh, so, on that. <laughs> so with that, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm, I'm glad we got it, and um, thank you for making the time and, and chatting with me. And I want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners where they can check you out. This, this the website that's coming, the social media, and all of that good stuff. The website that's being updated, rather. Share with the folks where they can check you out. Floor is yours. Yeah, the best place now is Instagram, and it's at Sean underscore Hubbard. So S H A W N underscore H U B B A R D. Don't check the website now because it's old. Uh, and if you follow me on Instagram, you will know when I update my website. Um, uh, it's coming soon. I've been saying that for months now. Uh, personal life has has totally uh, upended that, but uh, it's coming. Uh, if I can ever, you know, get out of my own head and, and finalize it, but uh, follow me on Instagram is the best place now. That's where I'm updating most of the time and then when the website comes you'll be ready so there you have it folks i want to again thank the great sean hubbard for coming on to the podcast sean not shane sean sean hubbard and i'm rob lee saying that there's art and culture in and around your neighborhood you just gotta look for it